Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the alumni call. This is Lynette and Brian Wolf. Yes, hi, everybody. Welcome to the call. It's going to be another great call today. Uh, We're excited to have you on the call. We want to talk deals. We want to talk about whatever questions you may have. Uh, We like to talk about systems and structure. Uh, We're going into the best time of the year for real estate, and all of you guys should be uh, focusing. That's a big thing that I always like to talk about is focus. And so we're going into summertime. We're just at the end of May. This is the time to really be out there uh, pounding the pavement, getting the deals in the door, and turning them around. And I'll tell you, with these pretty house deals, uh, seriously, you, we buy houses during the week and sell it on the weekend. And that's pretty much, you know, that's the model you want to adopt. Sometimes you have to do some fix-ups and whatnot on a pretty house. Uh, the basic four things we do is uh, flooring, interior paint. We like granite countertops and some uh, front yard landscaping. So sometimes you have to do that. But if you have to do that, you get the property back on the market as quickly as humanly possible. So guys, you could seriously buy a house on June 15th and be selling it, you know, even if you did a little work, for sure selling it by the end of the month. Uh, and we, of course, like to sell houses the first weekend they're available. And we believe in open houses. We're big, huge believers in that. And uh, really doing actually a one-hour open house is the way we like to do it. So we want, we want to get you guys out there this uh, summer. And your goal, everybody's goal should be three deals this summer if you're not already cranking them out, you know, on a larger scale. But, you know, we'd like to see you get one deal June, July, and August and make this a summer that changes your life. And it's all about that focus and getting those leads in the door, right, hon? That's right. And um, like I know most of you guys all should know you if you're on the call. This is the alumni call. And, of course, it's the fourth Monday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you might as well put it on your calendar right now. As Ron LeGram loves his, uh, his cell phone, um, you can do the appointment setter right on your cell phone. Just uh, speak and speak it, and it makes your appointment for you and reminds you. It's the reminder app with all your smartphones there. So go ahead and put a reminder app for the fourth Monday of every month at 7 p.m. to be on this call. This is an advanced call. These are you guys. If you're on the right call, you've been to the Quick Start Real Estate School. So that's why these are more advanced questions, more advanced field structuring. Um, so the only people that should be on this call right now should have been people that attended the Quick Start Real Estate School, and of course that's why you guys all know who we are, Brian and Lynette Wolf, um, and that uh, we actually are at the Quick Start Real Estate School. We help teach alongside with Ron LeGrand, um, and uh, we've known Ron over 15 years now, and we have a super successful real estate office uh, right here in Arizona, averaging six deals a month, and we personally ourselves have closed over $110 million worth of real estate transactions. So um, with, that, with that being said, to get in the queue, you want to be one of the first people in the queue. You have to hit star six. So if you hit star six, that gets you into the queue, and you can ask any question you have, or if you sent in a lead sheet, uh, if you have a deal, anything. I see there's a couple people in the queue right now, so we'll go ahead and get started once again. To get in the queue, you hit star six. Star six gets you in the queue. So we're going to hear from our first caller here. Let me go ahead and uh, let's see here. Let's get our first one right here. 
interested, all our participants are enrolled. Here we go. Okay, so we have our first caller in the queue. Um, I'm going to go ahead and queue that up, honey. Go ahead. Great. So uh, depending on where you guys are, uh, you have different challenges, and different markets have different challenges out there. Uh, you guys are going to have different questions, that, but I'll tell you what you're looking for. What, what's the animal that's the perfect animal that we're hunting in this game? Uh, we're looking for properties I like between about 150 and 250. Uh, you know, and now some of you may be in markets where the lowest priced house is 350. Okay, well you're okay because you have people who can afford that in that marketplace. But normally, guys, in, if you're in an average area of the country, uh, your target should be the you know the homes that are about 150 to 250, maybe ranging up to 300 or a little over. These are houses that your average, you know, double uh, house, household earning uh, home will be able to afford relatively easily. And you can get mortgages on these properties for less than what the rental payments are. So the, it matches the model we're looking for. Uh, it's going to be a successful rental, and you, they're going to take care of all the repairs. And there's plenty of people who, once they clear up a couple credit issues, will be able to buy it for cash once you put them in there initially. Uh, they, these folks, you know, now what are we looking for down on a house? If you have a $200,000 house, uh, you know, I like to go by some kind of rules of thumb. You need to have some kind of rules of thumb, something to shoot for. Your market is going to tell you what, what it comes down to, though. But what are we looking for? We're usually trying to get about 10% down. So on a $200,000 house, it would be great to get 20 or 25. Now, depending on, you know, the Okay, sorry. I think I think I need a mistake there. Okay. Oh, hi there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the alumni call. This is Brian and Lynette Wolf, and we are super excited to have you guys on board. Um, I'm not sure if you caught the first beginning there, but uh, this is the alumni call. So if you are on this call, uh, you're on the right call if you've been to the Quick Start Real Estate School. So this is a more advanced call. Um, these are only only students that have been to the Quick Start Real Estate School. Now mark your calendars. This is the fourth Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go ahead and add it to your calendars right now. Uh, like Ron LeGrand uh, always talks about a smartphone, how you can go ahead and set appointments just by speaking to your phone with the uh, appointment center and the reminder app that everybody has on their phone. So hit star six. Now if you guys have any questions, uh, any questions at all or any deals or anything, hit star six to get in the queue. Now is your um, opportunity to hit star six to get in the queue. And um, we have quite a few participants on the call tonight. So uh, feel free. Oh, we got four people in the queue already, so we're going to hit star six to start letting these questions in. Uh, like I said, um, here, here you go, Bryce. Ready? Yep. Here's Richard. Oh, Richard! Richard, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. Great to hear from you. How's it going? It's going extremely well. I got about three or four questions for you. Can I, can I ask that many? You betcha. You betcha. We love your questions. Okay. Well, I'll go real quick because I know there's other people. Um, it's just a yes-no question. Since the seller's acknowledgments form is not recorded, 
why does it have a place to be notarized? You know, you can have stuff notarized just for the sake of uh, feeling like it's more official sometimes. And even though it's not actually recorded, there's other stuff that you you may want to get notarized as well. Now, it, uh, the seller's acknowledgments is, is uh, a form that sometimes uh, we want all of you guys to use, and it's relatively simple. Uh, all these forms are on the Gold Club site. If you're not remembering where these forms are, if you have not used this form before, essentially what Richard's talking about is the form where the sellers, you know, agreeing and you know to every possible disclaimer and that. And uh, like I said, it's on your Gold Club under resources when you go on there. So everybody on this call, I'm assuming, is a Gold Club member. Uh, it's relatively cheap, and remember, there's a lot of other things that you get from the Gold Club like the websites and that. But yeah, you don't have to, and don't worry about getting notarized. Here's the other thing on that. If you want to not have that part on there, Richard, these are all word forms. So if that, if any part, you know, because if you don't like having the form done with and a notary hanging there and you don't want to haul a notary with you and get notarized and it looks awkward being there, you can go ahead and just take that part off. You know, um, these, you know that's, that's the other answer on that. Okay, so um, in the lease option package when you're buying, uh, I want to make sure I have everything that, uh, that I need in terms of, of the different uh, agreements and so forth. So right. I think you would need, accord the sh of course, the short lease purchase agreement, okay, the short form. Yes. The yes. authorization to release with, option if the there's lease a loan. With option. That's the lease with option. Remember, we have, when we're right. selling, there's four pieces of paper, guys, just to give you a quick refresher. There's the lease agreement, which has no, no terms on it, just the long rules of the lease. Then the lease rider has all the numbers on it, the, you know, like the payments and the term. Then there's the option, that the purchase option. So that's separated. When we're, bought, when we're selling to them, we don't want those two things tied together, the option and the lease. And so those are actually two separate documents. And with, now when you're signing, when we buy though, we have the lease and the option clause is actually on the back. So you'll be signing this and you'll be writing what the option purchase price is right on that. Okay, okay. so we use the short lease purchase agreement form. Secondly, we have an authorization to release information if there's a loan involved. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We have the seller's acknowledgments. And then in Pennsylvania, if we have an option agreement, we need a notice of option agreement to be recorded because uh, if you have an option agreement in Pennsylvania, you have to record the notice of option. Yes, and different states have different rules than that's the state that's uh, that Pennsylvania specific rule there. Okay, so is there any other pieces of paper that I need to take with me when I'm going to buy on a lease purchase? Uh, you're going to have some other documents maybe that you're, you know, I have a whole list for this, Richard, and I don't have it like right in front of me, and I don't have time to just whip it up. But there is, you know, there's some documents. Guys, there's a form actually, this is also on the Gold Club. It's a list of documents, and there's, it's a checklist, and it's, it's a checklist of buying documents. And this is also in your Quick Start Manual. All you guys have been to the Quick Start. So it's on a page in your Quick Start Manual is all these buying documents. It's pretty much the same for the purchase and sale. And, you know, if you're buying the house as opposed to lease purchasing it, the only thing you substitute in is the standard purchase and sale agreement. Now, I'll tell you, guys, this is one secret for you. If you are buying on a sandwich lease purchase, 
Now listen to me carefully because this could make you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. When you write in your option price on the back of this purchase option, this lease option agreement, what is the purchase price of that house? Is it 200000 like you told the seller or whatever? No. In fact, every time you write a purchase price, your purchase price of the property on this lease option agreement, you're going to write this uh, special terminology. Okay, you're going to write purchase price equals the mortgage payoff amount at time of cash out closing. Okay, that's really important now. So that if you write 200000 and you have the property for four years and then cash it out, what are you going to pay? You're going to pay 200000 But let's say they owe... Let's say they owe one. I don't want this to be too complicated. So let's say they owe two hundred thousand. So if you write purchase price to equal mortgage payoff amount at time of cash out closing, and they're okay with it, now they may have a question about this. You have to explain. You know, well, see, you owe two hundred thousand. That's what I'm buying the house for is two hundred thousand. So I'm just going to write in here that we're, I'm just going to pay off the mortgage at the time of the cash out closing. Okay. So let's say you do it that way. So then who gets the benefit of all the principal reduction over those four years or however long you have it? You do. Okay, so if they're okay with it, I want you to write. No, I don't, I don't ever want you to write an actual number on a lease option agreement under purchase price. I want you to write uh, purchase price equals, everybody better be writing this down, purchase price equals mortgage payoff amount at time of cash out closing. Okay, it's important you put cash out closing because there's two closings on this deal. That's specific to the end closing. So if you write that down in there, you're getting all the benefit of the principal reduction over all those years, which can be $10,000 or more. You don't know how long you have it for. You know, it depends on how long you have it before it cashes out. Okay? Now, if they question this and they say, oh, and, they, and they're savvy and they say, oh, I see what you're doing. Oh, I don't want you to do that. Then just write two hundred thousand in there, you know. Then just put the number. But if you don't ask for it, you don't get, you know, possibly a huge payday there. Okay, I hope everybody kind of gathered that one. And that's the same, by the way, the same terminology you're going to write on an axe deal. That's what your axe buyer pays for a house. Okay, anytime you have an axe buyer, what do they pay? Do they pay the two hundred that it's, that is owed right now? No. They pay the mortgage payoff amount at the time of cash out closing. Okay, so that's an important phrase. Richard, you got another one? Did, did that cover your question? Richard, do we still have you? Am I still on? I think we left. Was I on during that time? Yeah. Okay, I'm on. Okay. Okay, let's take I hope I was on during that. Let's do the next caller, Ralph Robinson. Ralph? Hi. How are you doing? Hey. Hi. Uh, okay, great. Uh, great call. Um, I just had a quick question on a – this is a um, house that I, I usually do business in, pretty house business, but I happen to come across one that's not – Okay. And uh, di didn't want to turn it away. Um, however, it's a uh, $102,000 home, and I, I wanted to send the property information sheet up. I apologize for not getting it in time. No, that's fine. Just give me the okay. quick numbers. 
Yeah, okay. So it's worth 100. ARV is 102.7K. Okay. Well, and, what is that? Uh, Where are you getting that, Ralph? Yeah, Zillow. Okay, well, now, here's what... I, I've got a lot to talk about with Zillow, and there, it's a Zillow world out there, so everybody should be going on Zillow. I mean, if you're serious, you should be on Zillow a couple times a day. I mean, well, unless you're bored with it, but, you know, there's a plenty on Zillow you can be doing and learning and lots of houses, and you can program searches in there. Zillow should be emailing you. If you're not getting emails from Zillow, that's a mistake. And you can get them coming easy, and they target just the houses you're looking for. You design the parameters. But, you know, and it's easy to go by this estimate. As a quick rule of thumb on how much a house is worth, and you know what? In some areas, estimates are pretty accurate. And overall, estimates are, are, I would say, relatively accurate. They're notoriously inaccurate in some areas. But overall, I think they're usually pretty accurate, and they've gotten pretty good at it. Um, so, yeah, I would say go by this estimate, but I would say even more important, uh, look, go on Real Estate ABC, which it, it shows all the sold comps. Now, how, how, there's three ways to do appraisals, and, and the way we use for residential is the comparable approach. So, we, you know, we compare each property to a sold one. So we have to pull up a sold, and the Real Estate ABC, the thing I like about it is it just displays the properties all one line each, and it's really easy to, to just glance at it, and you know exactly what the comps are. So if you go on real, realestateabc.com, everybody, hopefully you wrote that down now, and you go under, you've got to scroll down a little way to the chart that shows all the solds. And then what I want you to do, now most people don't know you can do this, go over to where the square footage of the house is, okay, and, go, and click on where it says building. It says, there's a space where it says building. It will sort all the, all the solds by square footage. And essentially that's what you're going by, is you're going by square footage. That's how, you know, if your house, your, your subject property is 1,500 square feet, your comps are going to be between about 1,350 and maybe 1,650. Um, anything more than that, you know, you got to make adjustments and everything. So mainly you've got, if you can display it by square footage, it's really easy to tell in about a second what the sold comps are. Now, Zestimate may be pulling a distressed bale or they may, you don't know what exactly that's pulling, but if you see the actual solds right next to your property there on that Real Estate ABC, and you go by the two highest ones, so let's say there's six of them there that are all within 100 or 200 square feet for sure of your subject property, you glance through those and you see the two top ones. So one's 210 and one's 215, and most of the other ones are like 170, 180. Well, in our world, you're going to be asking 220 probably for your house because you're offering terms with it. So that's the best way. Now, you know, this, our, this estimate of 102.7, you know, obviously, uh, that's, that's a guess, and it could be pretty accurate. But if you go and Real Estate ABC pull up that same address of that house, and you can find a comp that's sold in there for 115 that's a real comp, it's like exactly the same square footage and the same bedroom bathroom count and built about the same time. Uh, then you know, then you think, oh, geez, I could probably ask 119 for this house, maybe. Uh, you know, if there's been a good couple good souls that are high in there. Okay, so that that's my whole big rant on Thompson's uh, estimates and stuff. So what else, Ralph? It's it's worth 102, let's say. 
And what else? Yeah. What about it? Yeah, it says 102. I was just uh, looking at Realty Real Estate ABC, and it, it appears to be about um, about 100, really. Uh, okay. Just kind of okay. looking at that. But anyway, um, and uh, they're asking, they want 8,000 to move out um, because they have to relocate. And they owe 80. They owe 80,000? 80,000, yeah. Okay. And, what kind of shape um, is the house in? Well, it needs uh, carpet and paint and some uh, repairs. I'm, I'm estimating about uh, between uh, four and 5,000. Mm, okay. And, is it a uh, video scale, Ralph? I mean, are people going to want to live in this house? Yeah, it's a, a pretty nice, it's a gentrifying neighborhood and pretty solid uh Pretty solid community. Now it's a it's a uh, area that's in in Charlotte that's um, uh, coming up and becoming very coveted, so to speak. Okay. Well, I don't like the eight thousand, so they do it right now for eight thousand. Would they leave the mortgage in their name then? Well, what I wanted to I got to meet them at the house tomorrow, and again didn't make my offer. But what I was going to do is break it up and perhaps give them four um, up front. And when I get a tenant buyer in, give them the other four. Because they had started off at 10, uh, working down to 8. And um, I thought I'd just break that up and that was, they'd work out okay. Well, when they say, so you're saying they want 8, but they may not need it all right away. Right. Okay. Um, what do you think? So no. if it's really worth 100 uh, you could probably get somebody in there at, I don't know, 109, I'm, I'm guessing, if we want to push it a little bit. Um, remember, right. we've got, we're, we're offering terms on these houses to people who can't qualify for a house. So a lot of times this is a deal where, uh, where they will pay a, a bit of a premium. And so usually we'll mark them up about 5%. But on a house in this price range, it's not even worth it if you don't mark it up 10%. So I would, I'd, we'd probably ask 109.9. And yes, play that 109 game. Don't ask 110 for a house. You guys, price it 109.9. It works. It's the psychology of it. And so let's look at what that would work. If you, if you put 4,000 in, let's say 5,000 in up front, and could get them, if you could get them to wait for the whole eight, or if you could give them, let's say, two of it now, and then you're into it for, let's say, seven. But and now, how much are we looking to get down? Normally, we'd like to get about ten percent down, if you know, in a good, in a perfect world. So yeah, well, perfect world. If you sold I'm, other I'm, houses in that price range in your area, are people coming yeah, in with five, or are they coming in with ten? No, not on that, not in that price range. Um, for me, I've only been yeah. able to get maybe. Yeah, between six and eight. Yeah. Well, six and eight, you know, six and eight is better than five. I don't know. Yeah. These are obviously tight numbers. And now this is one of those where the profit margin, you know, is so small that you right. wonder, you know, is it worth it to do this one? But Well, the, you know, here's you the thing, though. Open, I didn't yeah, tell you right. some of the other things. The terms were they willing to go eight years on it. Okay, eight and years. And the payment is um, only $413, P-I-T-I. Oh, that's very nice. Okay. And, and, so and, the, and the rent, 
there's estimate in that area uh, rent wise is a thousand. I believe we can get at least that, maybe eleven hundred. Wow. Okay. Well, if it's a thousand, and remember, we're offering it on a lease purchase, so we think I would think you could even push that another fifty bucks, maybe. But let's say if you could get a grand a month and you're paying four thirteen, you got a five hundred five eighty seven cash flow. Uh, you know, you this could be that's that's where the money is in that one. I mean, and yeah. you know what? Here's the thing about if you guys are in an area where there are cheaper houses like this, the money a lot of times in these properties is in is in the cash flow because you can get a mortgage on it for relatively cheap, and uh, you can charge like a thousand like this one, and so it just gives you you know you think geez a tiny house like that would give you a five hundred dollar you know plus positive cash flow. And yeah. Oh, yeah, and so especially if you had it for eight years, Ralph, uh, you yeah. know that's six thousand a year for eight years. That's forty-eight thousand. That's as much as your, you know, that's a lot. So yeah. it's a great cat, a great cash flowing property, and you probably be able to move it pretty quickly. A lot of people in that range, I'm sure. Uh, this yeah. is the time of year to do deals. Uh, do you have right. people that could really quickly get in there and do the the well, you know, quick pickups? I have a list of people um, from a previous house that didn't qualify for that may qualify for this one, and okay. I think that we can probably get someone in quickly. But what the question I have for you, though, Brian, yes. is do you think that if I just, um, uh, without putting the four or five in the fix-up, if I put it as a handyman special instead, and instead okay. of charging 109, kind of just uh, maybe charge 95 or 100? And now, get that's, that's yes, that's a great point, Ralph. That's a great point. So uh, this this comes into play a lot of times, guys. Usually it's worth it, depending on the house. Usually it's worth it to do the the four things that we usually do on a pretty house. A lot of pretty houses need four things: it's interior flooring, interior paint, it some kind of uh, I do granite countertops. Although you know, there's some really cool faux granite countertops and stuff. You guys go down to Lowe's or Home Depot, there's some really cool-looking countertops. So we do kitchen and bathroom countertops, and then we do front yard landscaping. So if you can do those four things, usually, and that costs you about five grand, let's say, on a $150,000 to $200,000 house, that's going to cost you five to ten grand. Usually you can ask about 20 grand more. Okay, on a house that's like 150 to 250 Now on a house like this, where it's 100 uh, you know, if you if you put the, you know, maybe you're going to get 109. I'm thinking 109 is about as high as you can really push this thing. And yeah. you know, so if we could do it for 95, let's say, so that's 15,000 less. But you know, we didn't put the five in. So then, then you look at the time value of money. Now on this deal, you've got you've got to come up with some money, you know, to get the property. Uh, but uh, you know, do, you don't have to do. If you didn't do the work at all, and you can negotiate something with that eight thousand, you might be able to right. get in. Let's say if you could give them two, uh, and then you know have the rest coming later, and put someone in there. Uh, and they're selling two for eighty-eight, though. See, so if you sell it for ninety-five, uh, you're getting the positive cash flow though still. So that's the yeah. big plus. Um, so I would, I would. Here's what I'd look at, Ralph. I'd look at. You're probably, you know, maybe you could ask 99. I don't know how bad this house looks. You know, no, it's, it's, it's not that bad. 
okay, if it wasn't that bad, maybe you could even push it and get 99. If, if In that case, I'd probably go for work for equity. But, I mean, the other thing is if you had – and everybody has to look at their own personal situation when you make this decision. If you don't want to do the work or you don't have the 5 or 10 grand it's going to take, you can throw – just throw it out there as a handyman special. And our sign for that just says handyman special across the top, and then it says rent to own, bad credit okay, and the phone number. And, and the thing about that is we tried work for equity. We tried sweat equity on our signs, and people didn't understand it. You didn't get as much calls. But when you put that Ron's favorite thing, handyman special, and then you got to put rent to own now because it's, it's a different kind of property. We're offering this to a work for equity person. So that's, guys, just to refresh your memory, if you don't remember these work for equities, that's when you don't touch it. They, you basically sell it as, you get the junk out. Usually if there's just piled up stuff or the last person left you know, junk behind you, clean it out, and then you throw it up on the market. And you can do an open house and everything, and you're selling it as is. And they know it, and they know they're going to have to do the work. And so you mark it down a little bit because obviously they're going to do the work at their own expense. And you can make up a chart of all the repairs you want them to do and whatnot if you want to get real detailed. But, uh, you know, you put them in there, and they do all the work. So you don't have to have that initial outlay. So this is where you make yeah. the decision for yourself. You have the money right now, and if you have the time, and you have a crew who could go in there in a couple of days and do it, and then I could ask another 10 or 15 grand. Then you sort of weigh out the decision and see if it makes sense or not. I'd say, Ralph, if you could get 99 for it as a handyman special, you know, it's probably worth it in that price range. And that property, the way the, the, the payday on that property is the cash flow. That's, right. that's what's so sweet about that. And the years. You did a great job yeah. to get eight years. Anytime you get more five years, you're doing really well. So eight years with that low payment. That that mm -hmm. is a cash cow. Yeah, that's a golden blue, as Ron says. Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep it alive. Okay. That's yeah, I'll, I'll try to hit him in. I think I'm gonna hit him in special route and uh, see what I can get for it and and move move on from there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great uh, great spread in the middle. So um, we're gonna live for the cash flow and the yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. Great to hear from you. All right, good to hear from you guys. Great to hear from you, Ralph. All right, thanks. Take care. Next buyer in the queue. All right, let's go to. Who do we got? I think. Hello. Do we have our next caller? Hello, Glenn. Or who is? Who are you talking to? Hi, who's this? Hello. I think I clicked on somebody. Let's try something else. Does it say next caller? Uh, let's see. Next, uh, next on the queue. Okay. Hello. Oh, hello. Is this Richard? Yes, I got muted somehow. So I, I guess I ran. <laughs> that, that was that was that was me, Richard. I apologize. I thought, I I, that's why we told. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, hey, let me just say one quick thing. Richard, I'm going to get back to you in a sec. Guys, I may have uh, clicked on a couple of you here. We're using a new system this week. If you want to be in the queue, you hit star six. If you have a question or a deal you want to talk about or anything you, you know, concerning or anything, get in there to star six, and then you'll be in the queue. I might have actually clicked on a couple of you and knocked you out of the queue. So come on back in and, and, uh, 
and then uh, we'll we'll get you on the line. So again, star six, and then if you uh, uh, want to talk. Okay, Richard. So okay, we, I'll try to be quick here. Um, when I'm uh, selling on lease purchase, yeah, and I'm accepting items in trade like a car, a boat, or whatever. How do uh-huh. I put that in the option agreement, and where do I put that in the option agreement? Uh, now that's just going to be on your purchase option agreement, and then in the space where it says uh, your option consideration, there's a t- right now on the sample one in your in your quick start book, Ron has it written in as ten thousand. The house purchase price is two hundred, and the thing is ten in that one. And so in there, and guys, here's the whole thing on contracts. It's clarity, and that's what I always hit. And that's why I was talking before about uh, that one terminology with the purchase price equal mortgage payoff amount of time of cash out closing. That's why you got to put the term cash out in there because technically on all these deals we have our first closing when we're taking it from the seller, and then we have our secondary closing when we're selling to our buyer years down the road. So if you just have the word closing in there, that could be misconstrued. So every time you're going to put anything in a contract, just make sure. Think to yourself, gee, if somebody you know, halfway across the world in Australia picked this up and read it, could they misinterpret it? Is there any way they could misinterpret this? And so with this one, what I would write, where it says 10,000 in there, now all these forms are in Word, so you can type stuff in there. I really prefer typed contracts. Um, you know, Lynette and I just went out and we did a, a two-day home visit. If any of you guys are in the mentoring program or are interested in this, this is a new thing where we're really kicking up. We're doing a two-day home visit where we go to you and we actually Yeah, with the, masters, with the master's program, when you pay in full, it's cool. We went to uh, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and it was so cool because we had uh, the students, actually Joey, we flew them out and... Um, it was very exciting because uh, he had 13 seller appointments lined up for, for those two days. And uh, those 13 appointments, all the sellers agreed to doing owner financing, okay? Out of those 13 appointments, we wrote up 11 contracts. It was so cool. And, yeah, isn't yeah. that great? Uh, that, was, that was some wild, wild west real estate because not, you know, mostly the terms had not been agreed upon. And when we got out to the houses, we went through the houses, and then we sat at the kitchen table and said, okay, let's, figure, let's hammer this thing out. And so we were figuring out purchase price and scribbling it in. Now, what I was saying there, guys, is I prefer a typed-in contract. Now, if you, this, you don't always have time, you don't always, and you should always be carrying blank contracts in your car. In fact, everybody, if, you, if everybody in this call, if you do not have about four or five buying packets all ready to go in little manila folders in your car with a couple in your car and a couple in your house or whatever, where if some seller accidentally actually called you and said, I really want to sell my house right now, you could actually just say, okay, I'll be there in 15 minutes, and you could be there in 15 minutes with the paperwork. That is the kind of readiness, and and that prepares you mentally as well. If you know you have all, and we were just talking about this earlier on this call, guys, about what's in the file. And so if you have the things in the file and they're all ready to go. Um, it just preps your mind that you're going to go buy a house. And so that's, if you don't have this, guys, I'd like you all to, this was one of the assignments I give out at the Quick Start Real Estate School, is to prepare five buying packets. 
you know, manila envelopes with all the paperwork inside. And yes, blank for right now. So, but if you have plenty of prep time, these are all Word documents, and so you can sit there and type in all your numbers and everything and have it all perfect. And if you're doing it on this option agreement, right where it says uh, for the option consideration, it says non-refundable option deposit there, and then it says $10,000. And then I would type in and also and, and whatever they're trading you. As, and be as specific as possible about it. And if it's, you know, if it's a car or whatever, if anything uh, comes with it, or if it's a trailer, um, you know, does the hitch and everything come? Does, you know, I mean, try to be kind of specific. And you might type in some stuff or add an addendum. The other thing you can do is 10,000 plus other personal property, see addendum. Okay, and then you, if you just want to make it up an addendum and say personal property to be transferred uh, at time of closing, at time of initial closing, okay, because there's an initial closing. I always specify this, initial closing and cash out closing. Okay, so that's where I would put that on the option agreement right after the space where it says non-refundable option consideration and then there's a dollar sign there after you type in whatever they're giving you dollar-wise then just write, and also personal property, uh, you know, and then just describe it right there or add an addendum. So I would say something like uh, a 2005 Oldsmobile Bravada um, uh, credit giving is $5,000, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, now, um, on the purchase and sale agreement, this is a different question. On the purchase and sale agreement, there's a separate signature section at the very, very end where the seller yeah. signs that he received $10 as a yes. consideration. Should yes. that same line be added to the short sale purchase agreement? Because when I'm buying, uh, well, this, is, this is buying now, when I'm buying on a lease purchase, I'm giving a $10 deposit. But there's no line on that agreement that says, "Yes, I received the $10 deposit." Uh, you know, that's actually a pretty good question, Richard. And uh, if you, you know, here's what I say, guys: if you want to be more careful and you want to add more and be and and add extra stuff that you think might legally help you, go ahead, Richard. If you want to add something and put something down there. The same exact part. You could just copy it off of that part and put it on the other one if you want. Uh, it's you know generally with lease agreements, it's a little bit different, but you know I would be okay with that. And now there, remember, every time you sign anything with anybody in the house, you're following it up with an attorney closing, and that's even when you're. It, it, you'll be tempted. There's nothing recorded when you're selling, so it's tempting to just. You know, go to Starbucks, sign the paperwork, take the ten thousand, and say, you know, thanks. Um, but anytime anybody gives you any, you know, re reasonable amount of money, like five or ten or twenty, or even when, and when you get some of these bigger ones, like thirty, I that's when you want your attorney to be part of the equation, so they can stick up for you if this person comes back and says, hey, I didn't understand that was non-refundable. Okay, okay that's, so in terms of yeah. when I'm buying, not selling, but buying yeah. on a purchase, I don't need to go to an attorney. I can do it on a tabletop close, and I could add that uh, little line that says, uh, yeah. have them sign that they accepted $10 as a deposit or a consideration. Yes, and I, another, one other last point on that is uh, 
usually, uh, you know, if I pretty much know I'm buying this house uh, and the seller is is good, I'll usually do a hundred bucks. I, Ten bucks just seems unprofessional to me. And again, I'm I'm really into this professionalism. It just uh, it carries the day sometimes because we're not we're not a big company. I mean, none of us are out there running our businesses. I mean, we have, you know, on you might have a bigger company, and for us, a bigger company is ten people. You know, five or ten people. That's a pretty big real estate investing company. Um, but most of us, it's us and a couple other people, maybe. And so you don't. You really have to be overcorrecting on the professionalism. This is for everybody, and you got to dress nice. You got to look good. You got to carry a nice black uh, portfolio or some nice, you know, uh, leather-bound something to carry your paperwork in. Uh, a briefcase is too much. You'll scare people if you walk in with a briefcase. But you know, you want to look really good. You want your car clean. This is, is my pet peeve stuff where people can actually screw up deals because they just come off a little unprofessional. When you walk into that house, they're judging you. And even if you pretty much came to a pretty good you know, understanding on the phone, if you walk in and don't look professional, and that's why the paperwork is very important. If you have nice typed out paperwork, even if you have to scribble stuff out, and, uh, and sometimes not everything gets hammered out on the closing call. So you'll go, and what do you do then? Well, you don't leave it blank. You write in pretty much, you type in what you want pretty much. And then you're going to go, and if they say, no, I didn't agree to that, I don't want to do that, then you're going to scratch it out and rewrite it. And you're not going to start a whole new contract. You're just going to scratch it out, rewrite it, and have them initial it. By going into the house with paperwork that you're confident in, you know, that's all typed up and nice, and in a nice leather binder or something, you take it out and you, know, you look professional, that's, that's a huge, huge plus. Okay, I think I lost. What, what was your question, Richard? Uh, yeah, you answered my question. I, got, I just have one last question, if I may. Yeah. Yes. If I only plan to do sandwich lease option deals, do I need to ask the seller for their mortgage or loan uh, balance and, and monthly payments? Uh, why are you thinking just lease purchases? Well, I'm thinking on the higher priced homes, you know, uh, up to a million, million five. Uh, I'm not going to be buying those with owner financing, or um, of course you can't take over the loan because you know it doesn't work with the big ones. But in Pennsylvania, the the, the closing costs on something like that would be astronomical. Yes, you have high closing costs, and anybody who lives in a state like Washington or you know Florida is not quite so bad. Arizona is awesome for closing costs because you everybody should know what their closing costs in their state are. And a lot of them have transfer taxes of some sort. In Florida, they call them dock stamps. In Washington, it's excise taxes. So they call them different things. But how, what does it cost to buy a house? Basically, transfer the title into your name. In Arizona, it costs me $17 to buy a house, no matter how much the house costs. It's just that's amazing. It's record, yeah, it's recording two documents, the deed and an addendum of value. So that's it. And so me, my strategy here, guys, owner finance, owner finance, owner finance. Whereas, you know, Richard's intelligence is a good approach, is if you're paying, you know, a lot of money for 100000 to buy a house, and especially if you have a shorter term. In fact, even if it's really cheap, guys, to, to uh, transfer a house, if a seller's only going to give you two years, uh, and that's about as short as we like to go, you might just want to do a sandwich lease purchase. It's quicker, it's easier, it's cheaper, and, you know, uh, 
you, 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 it's usually, you know, it might not be worth doing the whole rigmarole, taking it into your company's name and all that. So that's, that's one option to, to consider. But for sure, if you have high transfer taxes, that's a, your, your default approach uh, might be to just sandwich lease purchase everything like you're talking about, Richard. And, you know, uh, it's, it's part of the, for, you know, the one thing to be, you know, to be anxious about there, the one thing that can go wrong is if they owe more than what your option price is. So, so long as they don't owe more than what your option, you know, what you've agreed to buy the property for, then you're okay. And that's why, uh, you know, that's, that's the safeguard of kind of knowing what the mortgage is. I, I, once you get the deal going, if, if you knew you didn't really need to know that information, Richard, sometimes, sometimes knowing the payment helps because you can try to match their payment. So that's, that's one aspect of the mortgage information. If you're just doing a lease purchase, if you know their payment is $12.56, you can say, okay, so I'll pay you, I'll pay you the $12.56 every month, and that's how that works. And so, you know, that's, that's good to know the payment. But in a sandwich lease purchase, you really don't need to know. Uh, if that's the only way you're going to go, you don't need to know the mortgage balance. So well, the one well, and that is, a, that is a nice thing, Brian, is that, you know, based on the payment PITI, it's usually 7 to $8 per 1000 So you can get a rough estimate once you have the payment anyway. Mm-hmm. So then when you tell the seller, so, you know, your payment's 1200 a month, so you must go about 140 to 150 mm-hmm. And that's when the seller will say, oh, yeah, my mortgage is 155 So it's 7 or $8 per 1000 Right. No, guys, that's, that, that has a lot of uh, property taxes plays into that. Also, right. insurance costs and, you know, there's other factors. If they bought the house a long time ago and, you know, but yes, depending on the interest rate and everything in the house, that's a rough way to estimate. Okay, very good. I think I'm out of questions. I'm not sure, but I think I'm out of questions. <laughs> well, they're all really good questions. So, and open up plenty of avenues for... Uh, for good points to be made. So thank you very much, Richard. All right. Thank you, guys. You've given some great information. Oh, thank you. Great job. You're welcome. All right. So it looks like we're going to go to our next person. Hello, Kim? Are you on the line? Hi there. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, Brian. Hi, Kim. Hey. Hi. Where, where, where are you from? <laughs> from from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and you live in California. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just telling I was just telling other people we saw where you were from, obviously. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and what good, question good. So, tonight, Oh, okay. Great. I I uh, um, mailed you my my uh, deal, my uh, lead uh, sheet form. Uh huh. Uh huh. Did you get it? Right, Lynette, did you see it? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, let's yeah. go through the numbers real quick. Uh, sure, okay. Uh, the the uh, seller wants a 260. It's uh, uh, free and clear. Um, the uh, Zillow price was uh, 225. It is a uh, two 
story building. It's a um, four bedroom, three bath. Uh, square footage is uh, seventeen uh, four five. The uh, lot size is eight five uh, seven six. Okay, that, that's yeah. that's enough. What what do you think the ARV is again? Um, two sixteen. Well, uh huh. Well. No, they're asking 260 and the ARV is 225. I mean, the estimate is 225, right? Right, right. Okay, do you know what the payment is on it? Well, it's uh, free and clear. Oh, that's right, okay. Um, yeah. And talk to them, Kim. What's the status? Um, well, you know, they're, they're uh, uh, in investors, and so, you know, and, and so, like, they just want to do a flip, I mean, but... Uh, They'll uh, do a lease purchase. Their uh, terms are pretty high. Um, they they uh, want uh, the uh, um, the price to be at two fifty and then uh, twelve thousand down, and then for each month they want uh, uh, twenty one hundred. And so that's just based on the uh, first year, and then on the next year they uh, want the price of the home to be bumped up to uh, uh, two. Uh, Seventy-five, and then each month, uh, uh, two, two, that's zero, Kim, zero. Stop talking. This is not a good deal. I don't know what kind of deal they got on it, but they're really, you know, actually, if they were closer to the market, I mean, they're they're already way overpriced. Again, got uh -huh. estimate, and you can't a hundred percent go by this estimate. So I would probably go on Real Estate ABC, put in this address. Try to you know type it in. Look at that grid, and remember, go at the top and hit where it says building square footage, and then it'll all sort by square footage. I check out. Yeah. It's like this is 1750. I check out stuff like that, and I'd see if I could find anything that was 250 or above. But right now, I mean, I'll bet you it's going to be it'd be hard to find something that's 250 above. They're asking 260, even if they do 250 for a year. They're jumping at 25000 after one year. That's way too much. And also, their payment is ridiculous. What do you think you could rent that place for, Kim? I mean, $21,000. Well, uh, right, right. That's, that's right. way high on a house that's worth two fifty, a $2,100 uh -huh. So, Kim, this is a bad deal. Sorry. Okay. I mean, All right. stuff to be done with a deal, but this... These people, you know, I don't know. They, they're not being reasonable with this deal. There's going to be better deals than this one. Mm -hmm. And now the other thing is, if this was an owner, if this was the actual owner of the house, and they, then I would say, you know what, let's go back at them. Because if it's just the owner and he's not some investor who read a book and thinks they know how to do investing or something, but he's just trying to do the best thing he knows how to do for his house, then he can probably be talked to. And you could probably talk to him and say, look, you know, let's get real about the real reality of the market. Um, the estimate on this house is 225, number one, and you're asking 260. And I'm actually willing to pay full price. In fact, oftentimes we'll pay full price. We'll pay retail price. Guys, uh, as an aside, one of our marketing, uh, one of our phrases, one of our USPs, unique selling propositions, is sell now for full price. And in my mm -hmm. market, I'll pay full price all day long. And you will too. In your market, you will pay full price for, for the right 
terms. And so in a second, I would pay 225 for this house, you know, at this estimate price. But, you know, if he gave us some kind of reasonable terms, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do it if he was going to raise it to 250 after 12 months. But uh, that, that's right. Like like Brian said, you either need price or terms. That's what it comes down to. At either price or terms, you have to get one or the other. So this guy's yeah, not doing I, either. And guys, mm-hmm. in, in, mostly in most of the markets around the country right now, you can pay full price. If if someone will give you at least two years and you're shooting for at least five and give you a reasonable payment and hopefully matching whatever their mortgage payment is, that's a very workable deal right now. Uh, but some people are just way inflated. And when you see, I mean, that's a red light, obvi- a red flag, obviously. When you look at this estimate, and you look at what they're asking, and they're asking 20, 30, 40 above this estimate, that's, a, that's not a good sign. But I'll tell you, when you, do, uh, when you get somebody who's reasonable, and you look at how much this estimate is, you look at what they're asking, and they're willing to do something with owner financing, and they're right about at retail, that's a, you should get excited about those. Um, we will pay full price, and we will make a lot of money on houses we pay full price for. That always was a, it was a conundrum to me when I first started. How can you pay full price for a house and still make 20 or 30 grand? Well, you guys right. can tell you these deals we've been talking about with cash flow and stuff. So, all right, that, that, that particular one isn't, isn't promising. When, it, when you're dealing with not, an investor like that, that's probably a hard shell you're not going to crack. But, but that's why uh-huh. I say, you know, if, if, it's a, if it's a seller, you know, just by himself, then you have a better chance at him being reasonable. Right. Do you have any uh, deals, Jim? Uh, no, 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 uh, just the, this deal here, you know, like for this deal here, the, 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 uh, the seller is the investor. So, um, so they're the, uh, they're the, uh, main, uh, person in the deal. Does, uh, that change anything? What, they live in the house, you mean? No, 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 it's, it's a vacant, but the, uh, Seller is the uh, yeah. investor. There's no a uh, middleman. There, there right. is. Yeah. Well, what I what I'm saying is usually the uh, if you're dealing with another investor, they're going to be harder to persuade and to negotiate with. Usually, not always. Uh huh. And sometimes, uh, sometimes I like to deal with people like landlords who have a rental property because they kind of understand financing a little bit. They understand, you know, kind of what we do. You don't have to explain everything to them usually. And yeah. so I like, and that's another thing. That's another good tip is everybody should be thinking about the for rent, not just the for homes for sale. People, you should also be calling the homes for rent and ask the person, hey, you know, I see that you have the house for rent. Would you ever consider doing like a rent to own? And that's how I want you to phrase it. Don't, don't, you know, that way it sounds just like what they're doing. You know, if you say, hey, I see you've got the house up for rent. Have you ever considered a lease purchase? I'm telling you, that's not the way to ask it. it they'll, they'll have a negative reaction. But if you just say, look, you got the house up for rent. Would you consider rent to own? And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, a lot of them would say, uh, I'm not, I haven't really thought about that. How does that work? And then you just do the, the, Sandwich lease purchase closing call. So mm-hmm. just 
jump right into this. So yeah, all of you guys, you know, those four rents can be good deals. And uh, even if you're paying retail price for them, uh, if you can get it some terms, it's definitely worth it. Okay. All right. Good job. Okay. Tim. Good job. Okay. Keep it all comes down to leads, so just keep pulling them in. Sure, sure, guys. Thank you, Brian. Okay. You Thank you. Mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, you bet. Guys, we're getting to the end. We're Thank gonna you. We're going to do one more call. We got Daniel on the line. Daniel? Hello, Brian. Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Hey, Daniel. Where, where are you from? This is Bryant. Oh, Bri oh, oh Brian. Oh, hi, Brian. Hey, how are you? <laughs> nice to hear your voice. Oh, my goodness. Well, tell, tell all the listeners where you're from. I'm from, well, I live in California right now yeah. in the Bay Area, so in Oakland. So. Right. So um, uh, did you get my lead property sheet? Actually, I did not get yours, but you can just run through the important numbers. For some reason, yours didn't come across. Okay, because I faxed it probably an hour and a half ago. Uh, well, oh. I'm looking at the property. I'm sorry? Yeah, so what's the R? Well, it's 405. His estimate says it's worth 405. She, I think she wants 450. She said 475. But she's in a situation where she wants to have some, you know, get rid of the debt for her because she she's in business in the hair business. Okay. And um, she um, she she'll even rent for me because you know I'm trying to get in the house myself, you uh -huh. know, as right. well. Okay. And uh, the estimate on it is four forty one, but she. You know, uh, she says she wants four seventy five, but I think she's very flexible. She had an appointment, so uh, we I didn't get all of the information I needed. The payment is three ninety. You know, I mean uh, three hundred ninety thousand. The payment's twenty four hundred a month. So okay. Now, is this just a regular house? Yeah, it's a three bedroom, two and a half bath. All right, now have you did you broach the topic of her doing anything with terms, giving you time to pay her off? Well, I got most of the information. I was going to go see her on Wednesday. I talked to her about, you know, just getting in the property and being able to relieve her debt. I was going to call her back cuz she had, like I said she had an appointment. So, okay. I got what I could okay. get from her. Right, and on, well, on what would you what what would your angle be on this? My angle would be, guys, and this is your angle on everything. Is your angle is that uh, I, we can give you a great price for the house, but we want a little bit of time to pay you off in full. And so uh, she's obviously asking maybe a little bit more than what it's worth. If you could get it for four fifty, though. Uh, if the estimate says four forty five, again we're going by estimate. You guys don't know what I think about that. So if you four forty one, yeah. If you do the, if you do, you probably be able to get away with that uh, if she doesn't make you put too much down. Now that's the one thing that a lot of times people are scared to ask on the closing call is that you know, and you really have to ask if the person's willing to give you a little time. Because these deals aren't deals if they make you pay them in cash. 
So, because right. obviously she'd have to, you know, our male formula, you couldn't pay more than 350 or something for this house. So obviously we need to get this house. Uh, we need to know that she'd be willing to give you a deal where you could make payments over time. So that's the first question before you drive out. Now, I will tell you that, uh, you know, when we did this field trip, we got to houses that they didn't really understand what owner financing was, and we really had to go into the whole thing. But if you guys, and here, here's the other thing. I used to be super picky about this. I used to never want to go out to a house unless I had all the numbers all hammered out, and I realized I lost a lot of deals. In fact, I, I ruined the day. I, I had one particular seller who had two houses that were perfect little gems right in my farm area. I still drive by these houses and think about them, and it's because I was a little bit too picky and I grounded out too much, and I should have just gone out there. And so that's what I want you guys to do. If you talk to a seller once on the phone and get through the closing call more or less and they and at least build some rapport with them, that's huge. Every deal you end up doing in the pretty house world, it's part of it's going to be because you kind of made friends with the person you somehow connected and were talking and you got along somehow. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a bigger component than people give it credit for a lot of times is that rapport building part. But if you build rapport and you more or less know that they don't need all their cash right away and that they can give you a little bit of time to pay them off, then I'm okay with you going out to the house now. Now, I'll tell you, if it's 45 minutes away or something, I'd get into the down payment. You know, or if it's a really long drive or, or if there's anything that's kind of iffy about it, uh, you're going to burn out if you drive all around God's creation on deals that you never should have, you know, never were a deal. So, you know, I, the two things that if somebody even says yes to maybe getting you five, five years is sort of what we are, you know, what we'd love to get at least. But two years is, you know, livable usually. So if you get somebody to say, yeah, I'll give you two years. And uh, that's where, that's kind of the scary part of asking about the down payment. Because a lot of them, and you don't even want to bring it up. Now, I'll tell you there's a way that we, that we address this. And I'm going to give you guys a, a little scripting here of how we ask for the down payment and basically work it out for nothing down without ever having saying, said nothing down. Nobody should ever say the words nothing down. Uh, you know, um, that's, you can say, unless they bring it up first, unless they bring it up first, you know, then you can say we usually put little or nothing down. Then that's the one sentence I'd let you guys say if they've already brought it up. But instead of bringing it up, the way you work it out initially is uh, now the way this usually now the way we usually work it is now you know Ron, if you guys are taking serious notes, it would be a smart idea because I'm going to give you the two seven word phrases that we use a lot that will really bail you out. One is is that the best you can do? You guys should all know that one. It's one of Ron's famous saying is that the best you can do. So anytime a term or a price comes up, you're saying that. The other one is. The way we usually work it is, okay, so everybody should write that. The way we usually work it is, and on this particular thing, when you're doing, when you're figuring out the down payment, you say the way we usually work it is the first payment we'll pay you is after we close when we're making you our first monthly payment. And then you say, you understand that, right? Okay, so that's... Say that again? You say, now, the way we usually work it is... The first payment we'll pay you is after we close when we make our first monthly payment. 
Okay, it's in the it's in if you guys have the what to say system, it's in the blue manual and it's on the second page of all your closing call scripts. It's on especially the owner financing and sandwich lease purchase. It's on the second page of closing call scripts. So you say that you basically just uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the way we usually work it is the first payment you'll get from us is after we close when we pay you our first monthly payment. You understand that, right? And if they say, oh, yeah, I understand that, then basically they've agreed that you're not giving them any payment down. You're just going to start making monthly payments. Okay? So that's how we ask for nothing down. And so you guys, you know, it's sort of an artful way of doing it without, you know, shoving it down their throats that they're asking for nothing down. And they may come back later and say, well, I want something down. But basically, if you guys get through that part of the script, I'd say go on out and visit these people, sit down with them, bring your contract, and, uh, and you know, see if you can work it out. Okay. And don't, you, know, don't, you don't have to have every term worked out before you get out there. And a lot of times getting out there will be the, the catalyst where you can see each other face to face and shake hands and work out a lot of these terms. Now, on this so would you, you, would you know, go right? subject two? Would you be leaning more towards subject two or just? Now, okay, let me say, you, how much does she owe on this? Uh, i got to get that from her. Okay, see now. I think it's 390. Two. She says she owes 390. Okay, now, subject two, the, the big three closing calls are subject two, the owner financing the sandwich lease purchase. Those are the big three that you're using. And subject two, we only use when they owe about what percentage of what the house is worth or more, about 85 to 90%. And that's going to depend on your market. Most markets are pretty hot right now. If somebody owes a $200,000 house and they owe 180 on it, do you ask, will you sell me the house for what you owe on it? Because that's what the subject to question is. So basically you don't know if it's a subject to deal yet until you know how much they owe, and then only if they owe about 90% or more. Okay? Unless the house is a little beat up. If the house is a little beat up or kind of far away from the city or whatever, then go down to about 85%. You know, so then if they owed 170 on a house that was worth 200 yeah, I'd say, will you sell me the house for what you want it? The thing is, if it's in the hottest neighborhood and it's in perfect condition, and they owe it's in a great, It's in great condition. Well, looking yeah. from the pictures, she said it needs a little paint. Yeah, and see now, if, she's, if she owes 390 on it and she's expecting 450 if you ask her, will you sell it to me for what you owe on it, she's going to laugh at you or get upset. So that's, this is not a subject to deal. Although, guys, every deal, the way I want you to write, I don't want to get real complicated here at the end, but when you're writing up these contracts, the easiest way to write them is whatever mortgage balance is on there, you take that subject to, and then you write in the owner financing under 1E, whatever the difference between the paying what the subject to deal is and what you're paying them for the house. Uh, guys, don't get too worried about that. That's kind of complicated. But on this deal here, you're not going to get this one. She's not going to sell it to you for what she owes on it. So this is more you use the owner finance and closing call on this one. Okay? And you've got to find out, like I said, is she willing to give you a little time? And then is she willing to not have you pay anything down right now? Now, on a house like that, you could probably agree to pay 
you know, if she wanted like twenty thousand down, you could you you should agree to it. And that's the other thing, guys. Don't throw a deal away because they're asking for a big down payment. Just say okay and get them down as low as you can. Then go out there, sign the paperwork, let them know that you're not going to be able to close on it until you find your buyer. Because if they want, you know, if she wanted twenty thousand down, you could take it. Okay. Now the way I work is I will, you know, I work with a lot of buyers, what we call lease purchase buyers, and I can find a lot of buyers in this price range. I think, you know, um, we could get a lot of interest quickly, and I will get a certain amount from them, you know, and then obviously that's my profit, so I'll split some of that with you. So um, I, as soon as I find my buyer, I will get you your 20000 and and, you know, I will take whatever I can get over that. So sometimes you can come up with money down that way. So don't say no to a deal because they want money down. That's what I'm saying. Because um, you can get that money from your lease purchase buyer. The whole thing on this one is will she give you terms because you can't pay cash, and will she make a reasonable down payment, which I would say, you know, it would be great if you could get her to do it for five or ten grand. You know, can I just give you five or ten grand now, and then, you know, the rest when we cash out. Uh, that then and, and then if she would give you two years or more, and obviously we'd like five to ten years, that's what this yeah. is going to come down to. So and the purchase price is is less relevant than than those things. That's the funny thing about the pretty house business. The purchase price is about the third thing down on the list of importance. So if you think it's worth, you know, if the estimate says four forty one, uh, I'd probably turn around and she'd sell it to you for four fifty. And you could probably put it out there for, especially if it's in good condition in a hot area, probably 469 at least, uh, maybe 479. You know, and uh, and that's where you're going to build your your profit margin. So if you pay her 450, ask 479. So you got a $30,000 spread, and your lease purchase buyer doesn't care about the purchase price either. I mean, that's not the top thing on their list of considerations either. They care more about what the payment is and those things. So if you can get a decent payment on it and make it reasonable for your lease purchase buyer, this could be a good, you know, very profitable deal. Okay. Okay, but you go through, I want you to read the owner financing closing call script to her. That okay. would be your next step. Either that or the sandwich lease purchase. And remember, guys, the, the, usually the choice on that, the sandwich lease purchase, usually you're going to want to do a lease purchase if they'll only give you two years or less, or if you have high transfer taxes in your state. And actually, California is pretty expensive. So right. some of you guys may just want to go you know, to the sandwich lease purchase, too. Okay. All right, all, all right. these questions. Seems she seems yep. really. I mean, I felt like I built, I built really good rapport with her, um, and I told her I might even have someone call her back because I, I, this is the first time I've done the the call, so I wasn't sure if you guys called them or not. But sure. um, um, well, she, she just oh, really well, wants her. Okay, you know what? Uh, you okay? Yeah, you should call in. Um, leave a message with. Uh, Lynette, um, I'm trying to think of who you could leave a message with on this one. Um, just call Global and leave a message at the front, and uh, we'll contact you if you need more, more help on that one. Because usually, guys, on this alumni call, this is just for folks who have been to the quick start, 
and we don't actually do live calls on this, but we don't want you guys, you know, out there with a good deal if, if uh, and and not be able to get it done. So, you know, we want to be in touch with you. So this is a that was a good deal. Good job bringing that one in, Brian. Good. Uh, let's okay. See. Hopefully, we can turn that into something. All right. So Sweet. just leave a message for us at Global tomorrow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, All right. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye bye for now. All right. Take care. Yep. Thank you. You bet. Okay, so guys, we're wrapping up on our call this evening. It's been a really great call and a lot of great information. And I hope you guys are taking good notes. This is, as Lynette said early, this is more of an advanced call. A lot of times we get into some specifics and uh, terminology and contracts and that. And uh, really the nitty-gritty of what you guys need to know and how to get these deals done. So don't forget this call. Come on every month. It's always Lynette and me. And so uh, get on here with your questions, your deals, and we'll help you through them. All right, so uh, wish you guys best of luck and great investing. And this is the hottest time of the year, so get out there, get your focus, take a lot of action, and try to get at least five leads this week, at least five, of people selling their houses. All right, so good luck, everybody, and good night.